This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. We don't sit here and say, well, we don't lose after again after loss. Like, that's not what we think about. We lost the prior game, and we as a staff and as a team have a mindset of, we look into why we lost and moving forward what we have to do to win. But we don't sit here and say, well, this is a, we got to keep the streak alive or this is all good. We don't lose after a loss. Like that is a recipe for disaster. I just like the way our guys turn the page, dig their heels in and play after a loss, knowing that they've got better in them. All right, yeah, we got a game tonight at 8 o'clock. Dave and I will talk to you then. All right, everybody. No, we're just, I don't, <laughs> you know, look, Dave, we can break down this game, and we are. There's uh, updates maybe on Montreal's lineup, and we'll break that all down. Alex Kalorn, who knows if he'll be back in. We'll see. We've got a couple of questions starting to come in from our faithful followers who want our take on what Tampa Bay has to do to win tonight, which is always fun, and we'll certainly get into that. Did you survive, though, first, my my good friend Dave Michigan and Steve Ersnick? Did you guys survive Hurricane Elsa? Well, Were clearly, okay? I'm, I'm on the air with you. Our house survived it. You know, we are not on the, on the coast, so we didn't have to worry about storm surge. The, the wind was not a major factor as far inland as we are. We're always wary of those isolated tornadoes that they keep talking yeah, right. about. Like how isolated and where are they going to be? I actually had a, a good friend of mine who was a colleague of mine in Hershey during the time that I was there. It was yeah. a year after I, I left. So, you know, I'd been down in Florida, but about a year after I left, and this is central Pennsylvania, Greg. I mean, it's yeah. not like Oklahoma, the Dust Belt, or Kansas, you sure. know, but a tornado came through and, and leveled his house. And it's wow. one of those, it's like, it's like a, um, you know, it's a narrow line. The tornado affected his house, and the neighbor on either side of him had nothing, right? That's the way it is. So, you know, you're extremely unlucky in those instances. And so I think our radar, our radar is always up when, when you hear about that. And that seems to come with these tropical storms and, and, and hurricanes when we have them, but from a standpoint of water and wind, I mean, we just had rain. So you're in a different part of the Bay area than I am. How was it for you? We were in Odessa. We were, it was just a lot of rain. We had to deal with uh, hurricane Ilaria last night though a little bit different than uh hurricane (laughs) my two-year-old just doesn't like to sleep through the night it is and it was whatever it was separate from the storm it's not like the storm (laughs) kept her up or anything like that no no that that's a uh as everybody who has uh been a parent is a parent can attest when you have uh little ones like that sometimes there's not a handbook dave to read how you can sometimes deal with that. It's the sometimes part, though, because Gianna slept okay, right? She did. Yeah. She did. Yeah. What are you going to do? You went for the second one, my friend. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So I hope everybody is And you're glad she's there, but I think you'll be equally glad when she gets a little bit older, right? No doubt. No doubt. So we have... Oh, and by the way, just the postscript on, on... my friend yeah go ahead. like the insurance covered it so i mean I they, say, they okay? got the house put back together but fortunately everyone was okay 
he wasn't home when it happened. But I mean, these things can come up. Mother nature. Very suddenly. Yeah. Mother nature. You just never know. But the, I, we got a lot of questions. At least I did, Dave, on on Twitter, you know, about was the game going to be postponed today? Was it going to be canceled? And you know, I just kept going back and said, look, I haven't heard anything. And I I, I kind of felt the only way that that would even enter the possibility of the conversation is if roads were affected to the point that people couldn't get safely to the arena, which yeah. is usually what you're seeing when in the north you have those bad weather events yep and they postpone games because there's concern for for the safety of of the players and the workers and the fans yep but that does not seem to be the case so yeah and i i think what's going to be interesting is if Tampa and power is... like the dallas situation earlier yes. this year sorry i'm just curious what tonight will be like if if tampa bay does win People out in the streets, just the roads. It's, I mean, it's supposed to rain, you know, pretty consistently for the next week or so. How big of an issue that becomes, you know, for people. I'm assuming, Dave, it's not going to prevent people from going out and and celebrating if that happens. But I'm always intrigued by the conditions for people if they want to go out there and uh, weather the storm, so to speak. <laughs> probably a bad analogy there but um we'll see we'll see the lightning have an opportunity to do it tonight yeah. you heard from some of the players and and john cooper talking about a very business-like approach i figured maybe dave we'd start with this question because i, I think it's a little different take it, we kind of can get right into it we've got joe smith from the athletic coming up at about twelve thirty. but i mean look there's not a heck of a lot to break down in terms of you know, what we've seen from Tampa Bay and what we've seen from Montreal, there hasn't been a game in between our last show. So uh, for the sake of not being repetitive, let's take this question from Bob. And I, I think we can kind of go off of some of his questions into some points here that maybe we want to make. And he said, you guys are always asking us our opinions and questions. Time to turn the tables. What are your concerns with Tampa Bay going to game five? And the future. You've heard our takes. Now it's time to voice yours. Bobby wants our we takes. Give our, I we give our say, opinions, we do. don't I, we? I, I feel like we typically do. I, I will. He wants more. I guess he wants more juice. cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> more, well, more opinions. You know, He's the thing about some is, from us, but he wants more. The thing, you know, the, the two things that stood out for me heading into tonight's game, because I, I don't know about you, Dave. I, I feel pretty confident that the Lightning are going to play well tonight. And I think I said that in game four, even though they lost. I think you felt like they were going to have a, a pretty good performance, and they did. And Montreal just found a way to win, and, and we give them credit. There are just two things for me that stand out if Bob wants to get into a little bit more detail in terms of what may concern us tonight when it comes to the Lightning and their play. First and foremost would be penalties. Because I do think that's the one area that can neutralize a talent gap. And I do think there is a, a significant talent gap between Tampa Bay and Montreal. It doesn't mean that Montreal can't beat the Lightning. We saw that in Game 4. But, you know, generally top to bottom, I think the Lightning have uh, the more talented roster. I think they have more All-Stars, Hall of Famers, you name it. I, I, I think they have the advantage but 
sometimes that doesn't always play out. That's why you play the games. But I do think penalties can certainly level the playing field. And there have been a couple of bugaboos with this team, I'd say, over the last couple of years. Anytime they've played poorly, you can sometimes go back and look at those two areas that I'm going to name and probably check off both boxes because it probably came to fruition. One, they take too many penalties. Two, puck management. Not particularly great at times when they're playing poorly or when they lose. And I, I think, to some extent, those are things that they can control. Now, if the officials are going to go into a game and they're going to call everything, it's incumbent upon both teams to adjust appropriately. But I'm talking about the irresponsible penalties, the offensive zone penalties, you know, the the laziness with your stick penalties. Those are things that you can control after the whistles. But the Lightning and, and Julian Brisewa, remember he talked about this, Dave, midway through the year, is that, you know, listen, we're still taking too many penalties, and that certainly can hurt us moving forward. We just have to be more disciplined. And so for a team like Montreal, who only had one power play opportunity last game, Tampa Bay had five. I'm not going to sit here and say that the officiating is going to look to even the score, but you never know. Weirder things have happened. But I think it would behoove the Tampa Bay Lightning, Dave, to stay very disciplined tonight, not take any penalties if they can, and certainly not take more than two to give Montreal uh, an opportunity to feel like they have life uh, in this game and in this series. And the second part would be just puck management. Now, some of that is the other team who can be really good on a forecheck and maybe is forcing you in some tough situations in your own zone. But I think just in general, anywhere on the ice, I think when the Lightning are playing their game and playing really well, they're not making as many turnovers and they're not being as careless or going east and west as much. So, Bob, to answer your question, and I want to get Dave's thoughts, you know, for me, when I take a look at the Lightning tonight, what concerns me, not much. I mean, honestly, guys, <laughs> you're talking about the defending Stanley Cup champs. There aren't a ton of weaknesses on this team. So I, I don't think it's, it's something to sit here and say, well, let's – nitpick and, and try and create some false negatives here when we start talking about the Lightning. Uh, but for me, it is it is penalties and puck management. I think those are two things, Dave, over the last couple of years we have seen. When the team does play poorly, you can sometimes just go back to those two and say, okay, you know what? If they probably cut down on this, then uh, they'll be a lot better. Well, penalties... That has not been an issue for them in this round, really in the Islander series either. I mean, did they take a lot of penalties leading to shorthanded situations in the last two rounds? I think it was earlier in the playoffs, certainly in the Florida series, and it certainly was the case during the regular season. I think we had said, you know, the Lightning were among the league leaders in most times shorthanded both during the regular season and in the early rounds of the playoffs when you had a lot of teams still playing. So there were a lot of teams that were still getting penalties. Now, you know, the last two teams standing are probably going to have the most shorthanded situations because <laughs> they've been playing more games. But I'm not sure that that has really been a problem for the Lightning in the last couple of rounds. And some of it is the officials are calling fewer penalties. So that works both ways. Lightning are drawing fewer last game being a notable exception and again you know the high stick drawing blood is an automatic four 
I think we we spelled this out yesterday, Greg, the Edmondson stick swinging incident like that. That has to be called. That is for sure a penalty. That's three of the five right there. The other two were kind of whatever interference and tripping that sometimes they don't call. They decided to in in the last game. But I think some of it some of it is that, you know, we just haven't seen as many penalties called both ways in the last couple of rounds. So that is that has helped the Lightning address the specific issue that you brought up, which certainly was an issue for much of this season and even in the early rounds of the playoffs. Puck management is always a key for the Lightning. I mean, the way Bob framed the the question or request, he was he was asking what concerns do we have? I guess I have concerns if the puck management isn't good. But sometimes the puck management is just fine. So we just don't know what we're going to see tonight. And and I was thinking about this earlier today, Greg. Like, we've seen four games now in the series. And I'm not sure that that we've seen even close to the same script in any of the four. Like, I think the yeah. Lightning were fairly decisively the better team in game one. The Canadians probably had their best overall game in terms of applying pressure, and the Lightning had their worst overall game in terms of puck management in Game 2. Game 3 was more wide open, I think, than the other games, and the Lightning cashed in with with five goals before the empty netter. But the Canadians scored three, and they had some chances as well that Vasilevsky stopped. And Game 4 was a game that, that probably fit the script of a lot of the the Canadians earlier games in the playoffs where they got the lead. They didn't have a lot of shots and scoring chances, but they capitalized on the ones that they had and they were never put in a position to have to play catch up. So like when you ask the question, what concerns do you have for game five? I don't know that we've seen any specific trend lines that have overwritten these first four games or have been consistent through these first four games that you would say, yeah, this has been a problem area for the Lightning that they really need to correct going into the fifth game, which is not to say there aren't problem areas that could crop up. At points, the Canadians have pressured the Lightning really effectively. At points, the Lightning have struggled with puck management. At points, the Canadians have generated scoring chances, and the Lightning have leaned on Vasilevsky. But there have been other points where they haven't. So both points within a game and then for long stretches within games where that has not been the case. So I guess to to me, like I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. Yes, the Lightning have to avoid lots of penalties and they do want to manage the puck well. I guess I would answer the question this way. If, if there's a niggling concern heading into this fifth game, it's the play of Carey Price. Like, I was wondering after the first three games if Price would find a higher level. And really, his usual level. Because he didn't play Carey Price-like hockey for him in the first three games. And I think we're in agreement, Greg. He did in game four. Now, that didn't mean that the Canadians were definitely going to win the game. The Lightning did get two pucks past him and had other chances certainly to win the game. And, you know, they had three posts. But I guess I'm wondering if Price is going to to erase scoring chances at the level that he did in game four. There's not much the Lightning can do about that except just continue to go to work and, and try and do the things that usually bring them success. But that could be an equalizer 
in this series, which is what a lot of people expected coming in, that that Price would be right up there in terms of being a difference maker in the series. And speaking frankly, he really wasn't in the first three games. But in game four, there's no doubt that he was. So... Do you think the light does that mean? A lot of- does that mean it's a concern of mine? I guess I'm aware of the fact yeah. that the price factor could be a big factor. Do you think the Lightning had a ton of grade A scoring opportunities though in Game Four? Well, they had enough. I mean, I think I said you know 34 shots. It's not like they had 20 grade A scoring chances or even grade yeah. A to grade B. They had enough though. And they had three posts. Yeah. See, that's and look, that's part of it. Yeah, they were just a little off. Price Missed played the net really on well. some yeah, as well. Price, Price played pretty well. Let's put it this way, Dave. I still have come away after four games thinking that I, I don't know how else to say this. I, I don't know if Price is going to be a difference maker because I feel like the Lightning are getting chances, and maybe it's because of how well they've done with other teams' structure in place. Maybe they're not phased necessarily by what Montreal does, and certainly playing with the lead, maybe that would be the other. And when I say concern, this is if, if things start to go off the rails a little bit, what are some things to watch for? That's why I said penalties, puck management. Really hasn't shown up a ton in these playoffs, but when they have, you can look at it and say, yeah, maybe the Lightning are struggling a bit. Playing with the lead, uh, it, clearly in this series, that's a big deal. I mean... And I don't think it's a coincidence when you play with the lead against a team who's not adapt at really coming back, particularly from multiple goals, and is more comfortable playing with a one or two goal lead to get their system in place and be that more that much more effective. Then yes, that that's for me. If they don't get the lead tonight, that would be one of those things where your antenna's raised a bit more because you're like, all right, you know what? At least in this series, history has shown the team who gets that lead wins. And for a team like Montreal, probably means more than to a team like Tampa Bay, who has some firepower to come back and isn't phased by being down one nothing or 2-1 like maybe some other teams. But I, I've come away, Dave, through four games thinking, yeah, you know, Price is, is who I thought he was. Uh, really good. nothing that would alarm me if I'm the lightning to the point where it's, uh, yeah, price price is going to be the difference in the next three games. And they're going to win the Stanley cup. I'm not saying you're saying that. I just, I'm, I'm not there yet. I think a lot of people are with Vasilevsky because I think the lightning have gotten some chances and the, and the bad puck luck hitting the post, I think, or missing the net. That's part of the game. But that, to me, that means they are getting some chances. And when you hit the post, that means you beat the goaltender. You just, you right. know, you're a little off. So, Yeah, um, you know what's interesting? The official stat sheet had the headman shot that hit the post as a shot on net. So I guess they felt that Price got a piece it? of that. I yeah, didn't think it. so. I, mean, yeah. I saw the replay. I thought that thing just went, it whizzed right by him and hit the inner inner bar. That was the one that Point thought was in. He raised his hands. Yeah, and that really wasn't close, though. You know, I mean, like it hit the post. It wasn't maybe yeah. the angle point saw. It was it was different, but sometimes those are a well. And like, look, everybody makes mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes doing play by play. I I tend not to draw a lot of attention to the mistakes. You make a mistake and you just kind of move on. Oh, yeah. But on my play by play of the Anderson winning goal, 
my call is actually, you know, Anderson shoots, it's off the post and in. And I thought it went off the post because it did hit the post, but it hit the inner bar yeah, and came out. So when I saw it, I thought that hit the post and and came out, like yeah. hit the crossbar, but it didn't. It hit the inner bar. Right. And of course, you know, I was calling it off a monitor. So, I mean, maybe it's a little different if you're in the building, but that's a mistake. You know, like I made a mistake and, you know, I didn't go back and say, well, when I said it hit the post, I was actually, I thought. It hit the post when it hit the yeah. inner crossbar, and it was in that. Like he shot it cleanly in, but in in a moment's notice, you know, sometimes it does look like it goes in when it doesn't, and right. sometimes it looks like it didn't go in when it did. I mean, that puck is moving pretty quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. So Anderson saw it was in. I mean, he had a great view of it, and he made a great shot. You know, it's interesting when those coming back happen- from behind the net. And and maybe it's not unusual because the players are right there. They typically know. Yeah, is, that's why I was a little surprising yeah. that Point celebrated. But his angle, like like you said, you know, the way he saw it maybe wasn't it was wasn't the reality of of the puck hitting the post and coming out. Yeah. But you were bringing up Price. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna differ with you a little bit. Like I thought Price did a very good job of of making some really big timely saves. And some were, were really tough, like the one on Kucherov early in the third period. Huge save. Huge. Huge save. And some were, were moderately tough, but still important to make. Like the overtime rebound chance that Point had, we talked about that on the show yesterday. I mean, that's a backhander from the low slot. Now, I've seen Braden Point, and you have as well, on his backhand go right into the top of the net on it. And if he's able to lift that thing the way he maybe could have if he had a little bit more time, I'm not sure that that Price stops it. But he he got in the shooting lane for sure, and and that was a really good save, and that saved the series. I mean, if that slips past him, that's it. It's over. Sure. So it's not only the quality of the save, it's also the time that he made the save. He made a save... Earlier on that overtime power play, I remember Sorelli was screening in front. It must have been a headman shot because they had the first unit back out there. Remember, they struggled at the beginning of overtime getting it in, and then Suzuki had the shorthanded bid. But then eventually the Lightning did get it in, and they had four shots. And one of those shots was a shot from headman, and Sorelli is standing right there. So was that like a grade-A chance? Probably not. But Price makes the save and does not allow a rebound because if there is a rebound, Sorelli is right there. So like that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, he made he made some good to great saves in game four. And he got some help with the post. There's no question. But he can't control that, right? I mean, the post the post is there for the goalie. The, the post helps the goalie usually. So he shouldn't have to apologize for that. I think you would agree though, Greg, that of the four games, that was Price's best game so far in the series. Yeah, I I, I think so. And I, I think you know, to me, I think he's been good, not great. You know, I, I, I told you before, that 3-1 game, I, I I think looking back on it, the one where Blake Coleman scores that goal with, I guess officially they have it with two seconds remaining in the second. I mean, I think that's, I think that game, that period, that goal, 
is going to go down as the difference maker in this series, assuming Tampa Bay can take care of business tonight. We will see. But I, you know, I thought there were some, I, let's put it this way. I thought there were some saves prices left out there. And I, I think that to me has been kind of an interesting thing to watch. Understanding the reputation Carey Price had coming into this series and some of it rightfully so, but I guess it all just depends on what your expectations are. Like, our expectations of Vasilevsky are pretty high. I'm sure the expectations of Montreal for Carey Price are pretty high. I'd be curious to know if Montreal feels like they are getting the very best of Carey Price in this series. Well, they did in Game 4. I mean, I'm not alone in saying what I'm they saying. Absolutely the Canadians did. players were saying it, too. You know what was interesting? I um I had a chance to go back because I was was curious about the thirty one thoughts column that Elliot Freeman had last week, and on one of the points because it does go with goaltending, and I guess he was I'm sure you read it too, Dave. They were talking about analytics for goaltenders, and I guess they were talking to um, former goaltender who. Uh, is now part of the Rangers broadcast. I think he's Steve Alicat. That's it. Yes. Yeah. And he's what the CEO of uh, Clear Sight Analytics, I believe. Anyways, they were talking about goaltending, and I guess his quote was, "He said for a few years I thought the surest predi- predictor of winning was goaltending. Then I was looking at differentials such as expected goals for and against, and." I guess they really started to zero in on high danger goals against at five on five. And what was pretty interesting about that was he said two years ago, Tampa Bay was 19th last year. They were first. And I guess this year he said a little bit different uh, because they've leaned more on Andre Vasilevsky this year. And I might kind of play out to how we, we saw things a bit this year, but I, I think it, it probably speaks more to maybe that's a, a different way to evaluate goaltenders. Those high danger chances, our team's getting high danger chances. What are you doing with them? I think that's probably something that Montreal and the Islanders didn't do as well as Tampa Bay. But also Vasilevsky in those pressure situations, Dave, I mean, how many times has he come up with? Not only key saves at the right time, but right right on the doorstep or high danger chances. And I yeah. think this is why there was such a, a push for him to be more in the conversation when it came to MVP of the league. Because I think that stat may bear that out or add a little more fuel to that fire, so to speak. Because it, it does suggest that you know the Lightning are, have played, I think, a lot better defensively in these playoffs. But at times, maybe this year relied a bit too much on him. And it's probably one of the reasons why he stood out more so than a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, did, I didn't I did read the 31 thoughts, but somehow I saw that clip. And I have to confess, Greg, I'm a little confused by it. And you know how I feel about the high danger chance stat because it's yeah. not a stat that's kept by the league. It's It's a very subjective stat. That maybe it's not subjective, but I'm not sure that the methodology is tried and true. Yeah. So now, look, Steve Aliquette 
maybe is tracking his own information and and I'm willing to give him if he's putting this this data together the benefit of the doubt like when the lightning analytics team compiles information they are watching games and putting together their statistics that I trust because they know what they are looking for they are given instruction on what to look for and they are recording it with a specific goal in mind. But if you're going to do like league-wide, you're going to say, all right, here's the shot location, and therefore, because it happened here, that's a high danger chance. I, I, I guess I'm just not comfortable with that. Because what if a high danger it. shot misses the net? Does that mean that it's a high danger chance or not? You know, well, like when Braden Point is open in the slot and zips it just wide of the crossbar or or wide of the post – and just above the crossbar, like to me, that's a fairly dangerous chance, but are they counting it as such? And the goalie didn't have to make a save on it. So I guess until I fully understand the methodology, I'm a little leery of like going all in on understanding and accepting the conclusions that people are drawing from that particular statistic, okay? So then when they say, well, last year the Lightning were number one in high danger goals allowed, meaning they allowed the fewest, well, what does that mean? Are, are they saying that the Lightning did a better job of preventing high danger chances so they had fewer goals? Was it that Vasilevsky, like relative to other teams, did they have the same number of chances and Vasilevsky stopped more of them because they were lower this year? Does that mean that Vasilevsky had a less good season or he faced more of these chances and couldn't stop as many of them. Like I just have, I don't understand what what the conclusion is there when they're coming up with this finite. All right, here are the number of goals that were scored on what we are classifying as high danger chances. Because I think it's taking out too much. Like what is the team doing in front of them? How many? What's the percentage of of the the chances you know what I'm saying so yeah for sure like I can't I'm not you disputing the fact that Valaket came up with this conclusion and says this is a predictor of a team's success because look for teams to have success you want to limit dangerous chances <laughs> and if you have an elite goalie who can stop dangerous chances at a higher rate than other teams you are probably going to have a lot of success I am not disputing that at all but when you start like putting this on a spreadsheet Right. And saying, here's a conclusion we have league-wide and ranking teams, I get a little uncomfortable kind of understanding and wrapping my head around how they are how are they are reaching this conclusion. You know what I'm saying? We'll get Sorry, I've had enough soapbox moments on our show talking about advanced statistics. If you and hopefully we that. reach a point where where everything is uniform. Like in baseball, you know, a home run is a home run, right? Like, I think that there, there, there are stats in other sports, and I guess a goal is a goal in hockey, so maybe that's not a great example, but hockey is such a fluid sport, and the way of looking at a game is, is unique and different from the other sports that I think sometimes some of these stats are, are kind of hard to quantify. Yeah, I just think, it, you know, every, every player in hockey who's on the ice – has an opportunity to be impactful with a statistic. In football, 
you've got the skill position players, but you've got offensive linemen that, you know, <laughs> they're not catching, they're not running. Now, you get, they get called for penalties, and you can determine who gets beat and who doesn't. And look, there are advanced stats for those, Dave. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. You know, everybody has a stat for everybody right now, and I think that's probably the world we live in where it's too much information, and sometimes it does confuse you. But I think it, it's also a way to try and come up with another way of saying this goaltender is really good. <laughs> right. <laughs> you well, know, and you I think, always go back to the eye test. And yeah, I think what, and I we, what we noted was, yeah. so this was my observation, that this year is compared to last year in the regular season, particularly after the Lightning got their game together in the 1920 regular season, they went on that incredible run. They were giving up more scoring chances this year during the regular season than last year. But that's comparing the Lightning this year to the Lightning last year. It's not comparing the Lightning to Nashville, you know, or Anaheim or you know the 30 other teams and then ranking them. But but according to what we saw and I think we are in agreement on this. And I know we have Joe coming up, so I'll I'll say my piece here and and we can take a break unless you have something to add. Vasilevsky was asked to do more during this regular season than last regular season. And he did more. I think that's why you were on the Vassy for Heart crusade. Yes. And I, I was fine with that. I was well. fine yeah. with you making that yeah. case. So my eyes told me what the analytics told everybody else. That's why you should always trust your eyes, Dave. And that's what we will do. Moving forward. Joe Smith from The Athletic is up next. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Verstick is producing. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner from The Block Party. And this week we had on Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. And he goes off if you're a hater on the Lightning. It's just really, really good management and good coaching and good player development. If you're angry about all that, then be angry at your team for not being good and not winning a cup and not being in a position to win two in a row. Your team sucks. It's not the Lightning's fault that your team sucks. Make sure you check out my interview with Greg Wyshynski from ESPN wherever you get your podcasts. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Glad you're with us here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linnelli with you along with Dave Michigan. Steve Ersnick's producing... Tampa Bay leads this best-of-seven Stanley Cup final series against the Canadians. Three games to one. Game five is tonight. A little after 8 o'clock is when the puck drops. We'll have all the coverage for you here on Lightning Power Play. But here to talk about it a little bit more, our good friend from The Athletic. He's been doing great work there, so make sure you check out what he's doing. That would be Joe Smith. Joe, great to be with you again. And uh, what do you make of this series so far through four games? Uh, maybe the best performance by Montreal in the previous game, but I think the Lightning still feel pretty confident in, in what they've done up to this point, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think if you were Lightning to and you have a 3-1 series lead going into game five at home, and I think you take it every day. And I, I think they decide from the result last game in overtime, I think they really felt good about how they played the first 10 12 minutes were pretty dominant and had it not been for some great play by Carey Price, it would have been a two, three goal lead at that point. So, you know, I don't think they need to reinvent the wheel here. Like they've obviously been really good at their losses the last couple of playoffs. So I think if they keep the same kind of mindset and, uh, and pushing the pace and just get a little bit more uh, success out of that power play that's been so good this whole playoff long, I think they'll be 
uh, feel pretty good about themselves. Joe, we mentioned, I think it was yesterday we mentioned on the show, or maybe we mentioned it off air, but I'm going to mention it now so we say it on air, that you got an, a nice compliment from one of your colleagues, Mark Lazarus, who works for The Athletic but covers the Blackhawks. So he's had some experience with deep playoff runs covering the Hawks <laughs> a lot of them. in the last decade, yes. And he paid you a really nice compliment kind of mentioning the quality of your work and how you've produced that high quality work consistently through two deep playoff runs and then adding to the fact that you did it during a pandemic with limited access. So I echo that. Congratulations on on what's been uh, certainly a, a great run for you at The Athletic, but especially in these last two years. But my question is this, like we had a conversation earlier in the week and I was saying like from my perspective, prepping for games once you get into a playoff series it's almost rote it's almost like I don't really need to do that much because for me you know I've seen these teams I don't I'm not unaware of what has just happened on this team that the Lightning might be playing unlike saying a regular season where you know maybe you see Calgary and you haven't seen them in six months and you really need to to do a lot of of prepping for the game broadcast what is it like for you in the context of a series, understanding you're not doing game stories so much, but do you find that it's it's easier, almost more difficult when it's the same characters playing within a playoff series in terms of kind of coming up with story ideas? Yeah, I think in playoffs, um, like like you like you know, Dave, we we don't do a lot of game stories during the regular season, but the playoffs, every game matters, especially the Stanley Cup final. So we are a little more game centric so it is relatively easier in a sense the kind of game tells us what the story will be right you know who had the big game what the big moment was um you know who those characters are so i think the playoffs are a little bit easier we have colleagues in montreal who do their end with the canadians try to mix and collaborate with them as well um i think the the challenging part in covering a team or covering a team for seven eight years like i have is that there's been the same cast of characters for that long with time is, is finding unique story angles about the same guys you've written about a few times uh, and finding different ways to tell it. And that's been the kind of the fun challenge of doing it. Um, but, but, but for a playoff series, I think once it gets down to like very game centric, uh, you could pop in a, a feature or two or, or try to make things, you know, with big picture look like a Ryan McDonough, I think today talking about his importance in the playoffs and where his future might end up. Um, but I think overall, once it gets down to, you one win from the cup. I think a lot of it's people want to know about the games and how, how it's going to play out and why it played out the way it did. Joe Smith from The Athletic joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Joe, for you through these playoffs, different than last year in terms of the Lightning's run, and hopefully it's the same result, what has been the maybe biggest storyline for you or maybe the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team when it comes to uh, the run they've had? Well, I mean... The biggest storyline for me, or one of the least, has been Nikita Kucherov. You know, the whole idea of him missing the whole regular season and having the kind of historic run he's had. I think that's obviously been a major topping point, along with the long-term inter-reserve comments that have been made after every story, right, about him. But uh, as far as, like, the feel of the team, and it's been great to actually watch these games in person as opposed to watching it from your couch last year in the bubble. But I think the, just the feel of this team is a little bit different. Like, last year was kind of like the redemption story and rewriting their own the history there and, and kind of so determined to win just to kind of either to prove themselves or prove other people wrong that they can do it. And now that they've won it, it just, 
it's a, it's a similar determination, of course, but it's just kind of like a relentless, mature approach to it, uh, like a business-like approach to it. Like they're, you know, going for history here, but they've, they even, even seem just even more driven than they were last year, which is even surprising to some people getting that same feeling back again. So uh, the storylines, you know, have been well documented before with Akita Kucherov and, and the likes, but I think just watching a team that, you know, many people don't go back to back, and talk to those teams who've gone back to back. It's hard to reclaim that same kind of hunger the year before, and, and they've really been able to uh, just have that mature, steady approach uh, that is almost like they're on a mission again. The nature of the last two seasons has required a lot of us to to view games or call games or cover games remotely. But this year has been a mix because the games at Amelie Arena you've been able to go to, I've been able to to be in the press box and and the road games you're you're covering the team for the most part watching off a monitor and that has been the case in in the playoffs as well what are the limitations what, what have you found to be the limitations of trying to cover the team watching it on tv off a monitor as opposed to being in person because you've had a, a mix this year of both yeah i i think uh I mean, you could take this as well from your point of view i mean Obviously, the biggest difference the last couple of years not having in-person access to players, that's been the biggest difference. But as far as yeah. watching it off TV, you're only limited to the network angles, right? Like, you're not able to watch behind the play. You're not able to watch a Patrick Maroon in warm-ups kind of jawing with a player from the other, you know, other team or, like, interactions. You're not able to kind of see interplay on the bench. Um, you know, something that happens behind the play, you only caught up if it's a replay is shown. Uh, in the building, you run into people that you can talk to, and sometimes you can run into people's families or, you know, agents or whoever. And so you have that interaction that you have ordinarily that you really love about the game. So, um, but as far as just from a covering the game standpoint, obviously the networks do a great job, but you're only limited to, to watching what's in front of you where the puck is, and you really see kind of the things that are the, the color or like the other parts that are really end up being important storylines or just context for things that you might end up losing. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. Uh, the way you do it, but um, that's the only thing you lose if you don't be there in person. Joe, I think there was a lot to like about the Lightning's game in Game 4. They hit a few posts. They missed the net. Carey Price was really good. Perhaps Montreal's best game, but the Lightning did have chances. Do you feel like it's going to be a business-like approach again tonight. You don't have to worry about the Lightning laying an egg. Whether it's good enough to get a win tonight and close things out remains to be seen. But I think one thing we've seen from this group over the last couple of years, pretty mentally tough. They are. And, and, and it's one thing is be handling the emotions, the kind of the excitement. The building will be packed. Uh, they're able to clinch it. You know, one thing to be able to do that last year in the bubble with no fans, but to be able to have the idea of all your families are here, the, the, the crowd's ready, the city's ready to kind of explode and, and they, they're everybody's expecting you to win the Stanley Cup tonight, and for them to, they'll test kind of their mental toughness there, and they'll test their, you know, process over outcome mantra that John Cooper has been saying a million times the last few years. And if they can do that, that's they certainly seem they shown they can do that. That'll be the most important thing I think for me. Whether it ends up in a win, I think you know Carey Price will be a big factor in tonight's game if he ends up playing like he did last game. Um, it could be just as close as last game was, but I think overall, if, if they continue to return to it, that that business-like approach that they've had in the playoffs, especially after losses where they're just super competitive and, and really self-accountable and able to kind of flip the switch and just kind of really be determined to, to finish it off. I think that they'll, once they handle that mentally well in this emotional kind of game, I think they'll be, they'll be fine. 
Joe, it's clear that the line of Johnson, Maroon, and Joseph had a big impact in the last two games. And and you think, all right, well, Maroon has played throughout the playoffs with Johnson. And during the regular season, he played a lot with Joseph. But really, during the regular season, it was Joseph, Colton, and Maroon. And for much of the playoffs, it's been Colton, Johnson, and Maroon. I guess I'm wondering, other than the couple of games early in the Florida series, this current line configuration hadn't played together really at all. Are you surprised that they've gelled as well as they have? Well, I mean, surprised because they haven't played as much. Yeah, I think they had some. That's what I meant. Yeah. The, yeah, 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 a little bit. I think, but the, I think they're the kind of players. I think Joseph's the kind of player that can that really fits their style on that line. And I think Johnson kind of helps make it all go right. I think the fact that they have him back in the middle. They tried him, I think, on the second line there when Klorn was out, but I think he's really more of a natural fit there. He's been playing some of his best hockey in the playoffs when he's at that center position, able to open up the ice, and you saw what they were able to do last couple of games. But but I've been impressed with Matthew Joseph. You know, it's hard to not play for two rounds, step into a cup final, and, and not be too overexcited or not make some mistakes that are natural to make. Uh, the key, I think, will be getting kind of Ross Colton going, too. He's been a guy who's had – you know, some great chances recently that game last last game where he had a shot from the slot. I believe he just missed the net. Um, I think he's due for a, a big moment or a big goal in these playoffs. And so, um, but yeah, I, to answer your question, I, I am a little surprised that, you know, after not having that much experience together, they play that way. But I think the way that they are all built, the style of that line, and, and especially Johnson playing the way he is up the middle, it definitely helps the whole situation kind of come together. Joe Smith from The Athletic joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Joe, when you look at the game tonight, what are you anticipating? A strong start from the Lightning, and boy, I guess if the stats bear it out, the team who scores first wins. That's a bigger deal for Montreal, I think, than Tampa Bay, but certainly it's it's one of those stats that probably means more than a lot of others, right? It does. I mean, some teams, it allows them to play differently. When you're Montreal and you have a one-goal lead, First, you get confidence, especially if you get on the road here, it enables you to not to chase the game and not able to have to, you know, climb, climb uphill against the Lightning, which is very difficult. They're really good at counterattacking. I think there was like a stat that they have had like 11, you know, goals that within 10 seconds of a turnover or something like that with Montreal or something like that. It's just been pretty incredible. So I think when you have the first goal, you're able to kind of get settled into your game, play more structured. You're not able to, you don't have to be, chase it as much and kind of make risky plays and. Uh, I think it would be more important, I think, for Montreal tonight, uh, coming in on the road, got facing elimination, settle things down a bit, and then lead on Carey Price and your your penalty kill to get you through it. So uh, I know not every stat matters, and it's not all end-all, be-all, but I think in a context of a game like this, the start uh, is really important for both teams. What did you make of the Montreal lineup changes and line configuration changes that work so well for Dominic Ducharme in Game 4? Well, I think the, the two guys they had on the blue line there, Romanov and uh, Kulak, they, they both added some, some speed and some pinching ability and offensively, and they uh, obviously Romanov had the goal. Uh, and line-wise, you know, I think Josh Anderson's arguably their their best player, best skater um, offensively in this series, and he was dynamic and Suzuki as well. But I think it did, it did offer a little bit of a, a new wrinkle to deal with, and they had the last change, of course, uh, on the road. They won't have that tonight, but uh, I think that whole the way they were able to tinker a little bit definitely it was a it was more more of a mental boost for them and gave them some confidence once they started getting some chances there. So I think it'll be the same lineup tonight. I believe I haven't seen the, the morning skate updates, but um, I believe we'll have the same lineup tonight. And 
you never know what it takes. A little little spark, little switch can uh, do for a team and their confidence, and it certainly helped them uh, last game. And it does look like Kalorn is doubtful for tonight. Is that what doubtful. John Cooper had said? Yeah, so it's a big he, deal. He wasn't big at the deal on the... this morning, and, yeah. and obviously you feel for him because he's been so durable and important the last number of years and I have a chance to play. But uh, it hasn't looked, doesn't look good, at least. Yeah, and that's certainly can affect the power play. Uh, Joe, what are you going to be looking for tonight outside of uh, whoever scores first before we let you go? Uh, any trends or players you're going to be keeping an eye out tonight? Uh, in in game five, yeah, I mean I'm gonna continue to watch. I think the the Montreal Canadiens were very physical with guys like Brayden and Quinn and Kuda Kucherov last game. I'm looking for that to see how those two guys handle that and, and see how if they, Montreal could be the same way they were last game. Um, and just watching that line, I think when the Lightning are their best, you have Kucherov and 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 Palat kind of really rolling and, and creating. So um, I'll be eager to see what they do tonight after being kind of held off a little bit last game. So um, that'll be something I'll probably continue to watch for in the first uh, 10, 15 minutes tonight. Wonderful. Well, Joe, great job as always, bud. Keep up the good work uh, at The Athletic. We love reading it, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Enjoy the game, and uh, stay safe out there. Thanks, Joe. Got it. Joe Smith joining us here on Power Lunch on a Lightning Power Play. You know, I was thinking about this when he was – you asked him that question with – you know, the different angles and how difficult it is to maybe do stories in today's Zoom world is that how many face-to-face meetings has he had with the new the newest yeah. members of the Lightning over the last two years? Probably none, right? None. <laughs> I mean, think about, like, Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, Pat Maroon, all great stories. Yeah. In their own right. And now he's he's done them, but I'm sure getting that one-on-one interaction is probably – something that you you strive for when you're doing based on some of the stories he has written though greg i think joe has found a way to have some i'm not not face to face but one-on-one conversations he's been able to talk to people not just lightning players but sometimes other people like bobby ryan he did that story on tyler johnson so he called bobby ryan and did an interview with yeah with bobby ryan and and got some great material from him you've really had to be innovative in in this world that we're living in if you're a reporter to give something to people that they don't have access to and it's hard to do because as you know dave when you're on those zoom calls everybody understands your angle when you ask a question and look some people can take that that angle and use it for their own piece yeah it happens i mean it's not as hush hush but I think there have been a lot of stories that Joe has done where you, you're you like, oh, wow, that that's that's different. That's new. Right. You know, that's what you're looking for. And I'm sure he probably has a few articles ready to go if and when Tampa Bay wins it all tonight. And that's why he continues to do good work at The Athletic. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli, Steve Ersnick producing. We've got the pregame skate show tonight. That'll start at 7. Brian Burns, Kaylee Chelios, many others will be joining in. I'll have the pregame at 7.30. Dave and Phil will have the game call a little after 8. And then from there, Dave, we just kind of hold on because who knows what's going to happen if the Lightning win. Probably on be on the airwaves for a, a lot longer, would, would be fair to say, tonight than a, a typical broadcast because of 
everything that goes on with that. If if they lose, then it'll pretty much be status quo. Yeah, pack but, it up and get ready for game six. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think there is something to be said for wrapping it up tonight because you, you, you've given yourself a couple of games where if you don't play well, you're still in a pretty commanding position. You lose tonight. Now it's it's like, all right, you know what? We are going back to Montreal, and look, they're home building. Anything can happen there, and boy, you hate for it to go to a game seven and something like that. So I last game, I, I think that was more about Dave. Montreal needing a win, stop the bleeding. They got it. In many ways, it's the same thing tonight, but I think you can start to sit there and say, all right, you know what? Pressure might be a bit more on Tampa Bay just just to not let this series linger because the longer it lingers, weirder things can happen. And for a team like the Canadians, they get their mojo, they get their confidence going. Sometimes, Dave, that can be a little bit of an equalizer. So they've got a little confidence, but Tampa Bay's still in a position where if they can end it tonight, I think that would be ideal. I don't think you want to have this thing extended beyond uh, 8 o'clock tonight here at Amway Arena. Right, but I don't think the players want to think about that. I think when they talk about process over result, they're thinking about their first shift, which is where their minds should yes, be. Yes, they are. Oh, their minds are on that for sure. Yeah. You and I could talk about it, though. Well, that's what we do for an hour. And look, we anybody who's pulling for the Lightning wants this thing over tonight. Yes. I think the Lightning have a good performance tonight, folks. I, I do. I, I think it's going to be one of their better performances. It's on the line. They don't lose back-to-backs in the playoffs the last couple of years. I think that's also a worthy stat in addition to who's ever scored first in this series has won. I think there are some stats that are better than others. I think that would be one of them. And I, I expect Emily Arena Dave to be rocking and first five, ten minutes, we'll see what the Lightning can do with that momentum, I think, from the crowd, because I think they will get a huge, huge boost. And I think it's it's what they do with those chances for, for both teams. But I think for the Lightning, you come out fired up, you come out and get a couple of goals, I think now you really put Montreal back on their heels a bit, and, and we'll see if, if they're able to open it up or if they continue to stay within their structure and try and chip away. I think right. that'll be a kind of a fascinating situation there. But we'll find out tonight. I'll see you at the rink, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank see you, you in a few hours, Greg. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Joe Smith. Thanks to Steve Versnick. We appreciate it as always. Thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Linelli. Dave and I will be back at it again tomorrow to wrap things up one way or the other, noon to one. You can listen to it all right here on Lightning Power Play.